Luke 23, verse 44, the final message in the seven words from the cross. Let me encourage you, what you're about to hear is the word of God through the preaching. The Bible says, how shall they hear except a preacher preach to them? That's the value of preaching the word. You cannot remain the same when you hear the word because the word of God is alive. It demands a response. When you hear the word of God, something in you, that supernatural person, if you're born again, says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to change. Sometimes that change is dramatic. Sometimes we just move the needle just a little bit. It's important that you listen, and as you listen, listening desires a response. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to hear the word that will challenge you and create something in you that is an emotion, and we call that not condemnation, but conviction. Conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify something in you or in your life that God wants to fix. God does not desire to tear you down. He desires for you to grow. There are lost people out there. The majority of our culture are lost. There are many famous last words that we hear. I read one the other day in the preparation of this message. Here was a convicted criminal. His name was James Rogers. He was standing before an old-fashioned firing squad, and they said, what's your final request? He said, I have one. What is it? I like a bulletproof vest. Famous last words. Here are the famous last words of Jesus found in Luke 23, verse number 44. By this time, it was about noon, and the darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted. That word shout is important. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, notice carefully, he worshiped God and said, surely this man is innocent. In the Gospels, two of the books, Mark and Luke, add to what they believe they heard. Surely this man was innocent. And then the words added in both of those Gospels, and the Son of God. This Roman centurion makes note of that. He would have seen thousands and thousands of crucifixions take place, but none like this. It was so different that it moved him into worship, and he was certainly a Gentile, hated Jews. This man had to be different. He has to be the Son of God. You see, he heard this individual on the cross, his name was Jesus, say, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do. Those that were actually involved in the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus was willing to forgive them. Something else happened that this Roman centurion had never seen. He says to the criminal that asked for forgiveness and says, have mercy on me. He says to that criminal, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He hears Jesus talk to his mother, exhibiting the love, and he says to John, he says, John, I want you to take care of my mother. And he says, Mom, I want you to lean on John. I am going to die, as you can see, but lean on John. 
He'll continue to take care of you. And then his last words, before breathing the last breath, they must be important. Let's listen carefully. You're going to hear them many times this morning. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. This Roman soldier had seen the perfect model of what it meant to die. Jesus was not complaining. He was not angry. He was not bitter. He made peace. He didn't have any leftover business that he needed to do. He said, hey, it is finished. He said that. And then Jesus gave his life voluntarily. No one took it. No one pressed it. Jesus laid down his life. John 10, 18, no one can take my life from me. I lay my life down voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down and when I want to, also the power to take it up. And he did exactly that. Good Friday, he laid it down. And on Easter Sunday, he took it up. The words that that soldier heard were words that were not unfamiliar to him. In Psalms 31, verse number 5, are the words, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Every Jew, many of the Jews would pray that as a bedtime prayer. Jewish mothers would pray that prayer with their children. Psalms 31, verse number 5, you know, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Jesus didn't whimper it out. He didn't softly say it. The scripture uses the term that he shouted it out. Now, I've been with a lot of people who breathe their last breath and they barely can talk above a whisper. Some mouth things because their throat is dry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And their body is just about, has just about given up, not Jesus. In that moment, he reaches deep and he shouts the words out as loudly as he can, not in anger, not in despair, not in defeat, not with malice, but he says it as a victory statement. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. A shout of acclamation and victory. You and I understand some individuals are given last rites, last rites. You won't find that in the Bible, but some people do it. It wasn't a biblical thing. It is a traditional thing, but some people enjoy their traditions. The bottom line is, the bottom line is if we confess Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we humble our hearts, as some of you did it during communion when I prayed that simple prayer, Father, forgive me of my sins, purify me, cleanse me. He didn't say, go out and give me 25 push-ups, go out and win 19 people. He didn't say, go out and mow 25 yards. Here's what he said. If you confess your sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. It is a simple message. What did it mean when Jesus said these words, Father, I commend my spirit into your hands? It means the same thing as you and I were to say it. Because you see, here is number one. When you're going through a tough time, you can know that you have a Father in heaven who absolutely loves you. You may have had a bad experience, as I heard a professional the other day said, you wouldn't understand my home life. My dad was an alcoholic. We never knew when he was going to come in drunk. As a matter of fact, most of the time he did, and then he'd start while my mom had beat her, and then come on down and beat the rest of us. I resented him. I hated him. And as a believer, I've had to work through the process in order to love my father. But it wasn't because I felt that he loved me. You have a heavenly father who truly does love you in the most pure form. Amen. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't call God father until the end. 
You remember when he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why was that? It was the separation that Jesus felt between God. God had to turn his head. He could not look down upon the person of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, and see him die like that, see him carry the weight of sin for everyone. He had done nothing wrong. He was pure. He was pure. And it was a moment that he says, why have you forsaken me? But when that was over, and when he says, it is finished, he meant the work that he was sent to do. I came to fulfill the will of my heavenly Father. When he said it was finished, he said the task that I came to earth to do has now been accomplished. And then he says, now, Father. Once again, I'm in that relationship. You are my Father. You are a, a loving Father. Psalms 103.13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. How many of you by raised hand need a little compassion here and there? A loving father, loving you, knowing you inside out, knows every thought, knows every part of your personality, good or bad. And you know what? He thinks you're the most special creature on the universe because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Jesus and our Heavenly Father loves you. Here's another thing. Our Heavenly Father can be trusted. How many have ever had a friend break your trust? All right. How many have ever had somebody gossip about you? How many have them related to you? Go ahead and get it up. Wouldn't matter. Raise both up. You can always count on those usually closest to you to be the ones who just malign you. Once you accept that, you say, well, that's a weird set of thinking. You know, just go ahead. It'll happen. Just give it up. It's like when I say, you know, when people say hypocrites, church is full of hypocrites, give it up. Say it. I'm the chief hypocrite of all. You know, I was coming on interstate last night, late, late at night. If Sharon said it once, she said it many times. You better slow down. I thought, why would you tell me to slow down, Sharon, and I'm only running 55 or 60 miles an hour? She says, you're passing everything on the road. I said, I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> you see, you listen. He can be trusted. That's valuable. I entrust my spirit into your hands. There are very few people that you know you can really trust. There are people that look good. There are people that are kind. There are people that are generous. Oh, you said, I put my trust in Congress. You are delirious. I put my trust in a politician. Don't. I put my trust in the media. Don't do that. Well, here's a good one. Good one. You know, this is good right here. Good Polk County yard talk deal. I trust my gut, buddy. And some of us have a whole lot more trust. Online audience didn't laugh. I just want you to know. You can be manipulated. You ever watched a movie with somebody? And before that movie's over, they're sitting there weeping. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know what they just did with a little old movie? Manipulated your emotions. Did you know that? 
Did you know somebody can manipulate you and make you angry and they didn't intend to get angry? But they just say the right thing at the right time and they push your button. They just manipulated your emotions. Did you know that a child can manipulate their parents? Have you ever heard, buddy, she has got him wrapped around what? Her little finger. Wrapped around. Daddy loves you. They know what to do. You know how that little girl, sir, knows how to manipulate you by having the string wrapped? Because she learned from her mama. <laughs> she did. She learned from mama. I trust my gut. Your gut will, your gut can be manipulated. You're, you're, well, I have intuition. Hello? Well, I've got intuspicion. A lot of people have that. You know, but here's the bottom line. There's only really one person that in every circumstance of life could have forsaken you in the garden when he prayed and could have said, I'm not doing this. They're not going to be worth it. But he did not do that because he was a trusted friend who said, it is not my will but the will of the heavenly Father. And at that moment, he said, you can trust me with your very life. You can trust me with every problem that you have. And this trusted friend that we call Jesus will always tell you the truth. He'll not patronize you. He'll just love you. But when you step out of line, he'll lovingly draw you back in. How does he do that? Through the power of conviction. And he knows the truth will set you free. Amen. He will always tell you, lady, how your hair really looks. You like my hair today, darling? You men, listen. There's only one answer. If you like it, baby, I like it. And if she's smart, she won't let you get away with that. That's not what I ask you. It's not what I ask you. I ask you if you like it. At that moment, it's not a white lie. It is a bald-faced lie. <laughs> if you say it looks good, and in your mind, you've already thought, good Lord, have mercy. What did you pay for that and what color? I mean, how many colors did you have in there? Let me give you a little secret. Grace covers a multitude of sin. Amen? You can trust you can trust, you can trust Jesus. I trusted when he said that. I placed my heavenly father. You see, I trust you, Father, with my life to take me from this cross to the tomb, from the tomb, back here to earth, and then ascend to the right hand of the heavenly father. I place my life 
in your hands in that transition. God, I trust you with my life to guide me. Some of you praying about where you're going to go to school or Southeastern University. Some of you have challenges that are there in your life. Some of you have businesses that are just kind of waffling right now. Let me encourage you, you can trust God. If you are faithful to him, if you are faithful to be committed to him, if you are faithful to praise him when it's hard, if you are faithful to follow him when it's difficult, if you are faithful to honor him when it's difficult, my friend, he will always come true or through with you because you can trust him because he created you in a divine design. Here's what it means. Here's what it means. That word in trust means to deposit. God, I, I want to deposit my life in your hands. I want you to keep something for safekeeping. That's what God does when he gives you children. All children come from God. Amen. And can you imagine that God would place in your hand, what if you've never had kids? And the Heavenly Father trusts you so much to give you his best and greatest creation and put it in the palm of your hand, six pounds, 12 and a half ounces, 19 and three-quarter inches long. with his father's nose and God says I trust you with the most valuable gift of all and that's a life you raise it you mentor it you train it God didn't ask you for a resume when it happened he said I trust you enough to give you life then it's no wonder he says back to us the life that he gave, that's you and that's me, and says, I love you. I created you. You can trust me with your life, whatever it is that you have. Need. And you can trust him when you don't understand. Paul writes in, in 2 Timothy 1.12, he said, I'm suffering here in prison. Paul thought, when I give it up for God, now I'm suffering. I had it made before. He said, I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure he's able to guard whatever it is he wants to do in my life against whatever happens in my life. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to honor him. I'm persuaded that my best way through life is to trust in the Heavenly Father. Some people have said, well, I'm afraid I'm afraid to ask Jesus to come into my life because I'm afraid I won't be able to keep the commitment. You're absolutely right. You can't. You're going to mess up. You're going to blow it up. But here's what you need to know, that if you're really serious about following the Lord Jesus Christ, in your times when you mess up and you mess it up badly and you turn your back and you think, oh God, I don't know what I'm doing, and you sin, etc. Just remember this, he's committed to you the salvation gift, and he in fact will always welcome you back with open arms because he's really serious about you following after his way and following his life. And when you mess it up, there are times when individuals will say, why are you wasting your time down at the church? Why are you investing in students? Why are, why are you doing all the things that you're doing? Does it really matter? I promise you, it really does matter. 
There are a lot of people out there who discourage us. 2 John 1, verse 7 and 8, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out in the world. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. You know what he's saying? When you get weary, when you get tired, and when you think, I've been following and I've given it my best, and now I'm here in a situation that I don't know what to do with it, I promise you, you'll not be the first that feels that way. If there were those that said, I wish I'd never been born, David in Psalms 13, Jeremiah and Jeremiah 20, Job in Job 7, Elijah, Moses, and Jonah, they were so depressed, they said, take our life, take our life. We're tired of living. And you know what the Holy Spirit says? Just trust me. Just hang in there. Just remember this. Just remember this. When you deposited your life in my hands, my hands are wide open. You can run to me and find encouragement and strength and shelter. You can lean on my shoulder you can deposit your bitterness in me. You can deposit your anxiety. You can deposit your worry. You can deposit your challenges. Here's thirdly, our Father's always doing things that we don't see or realize. I know it must be true. I learned that as a boy because in church I sat in the back and my father and mother always seemed to know what I did and they sat about halfway down. I thought it was really true. Parents have eyes in the back of their head. And that was before, that was before text. That was before modern social opportunities today. If it were today, I could see a deacon sitting behind me texting my dad, you better get a hold of Wayne. He just shot a spit wall, four, spitball four rows up <laughs> while the preacher was preaching. Did you ever do that? I'm not saying. <laughs> but he seems to know what's going on. Would it be impossible for you and I to believe that God already has your next year planned out for you? And it doesn't scare him. He already has your next week planned out with the people that you're going to meet and greet. And it doesn't scare him. He already knows maybe the heartache you're going to face. But he also knows if you stay faithful, the magnanimous victories that you are going to celebrate. Listen, friend. Don't ever let the enemy trap you into a hostage. Don't ever let him close in on you. Always trust God. Always lean on God. And always know that no matter where you find yourself, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knows your tomorrow and knows about the challenges and in fact sees things that you do not see. Father, I entrust, deposit my spirit into your hands. It meant that, hey, I'm not just natural, physical, and material. It meant that in me, in you, is a spirit that is going to live forever. It's the supernatural presence of Almighty God made in the image of Almighty God. This is what Job said. Job said, man, I got really discouraged with my wife and family and lost a lot of my, uh, lost a lot of my assets. It was really tough. Though God slay me, yet will I trust in him. But boy, the pressure just kept coming. Job said, okay, let me see. 
This is what I feel. Job 23, 9 and 10. When he is at work in the north, north, I don't see him. And when he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. He knows right where I'm at. He knows where I'm going to go, which way I'm going to turn. He knows the way I'm going to take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Friday morning, is headed to Georgia. I had the dress for the place in Marietta, Georgia, plugged in. I had to turn around and come to the church. So I was up by 98 North there at the McDonald's. Hallelujah for McDonald's. <laughs> had to turn around and come back. Didn't suspend the system. I, I came up Sleepy Hill Road. Sharon was in the car saying, you better slow down. I said, I will. My GPS system. When I got up here to Chick-fil-A, turn around immediately. Said, hush. I came up to the light here to get on, on Mall Hill. You know what the crazy thing said? Turn right into what is that Marilargo, Terra Largo? It's a dead end. Turn right to get back to the get back to Highway 98, I thought, you have no idea what you're talking about. That is a dead end and there is no road out of there. You see, what I'm suggesting to you is that I, I, I can't catch a glimpse of all the things and the smartest of technology can't. But here's what he said. He knows the way that I take and he makes no mistake. And when he has tested me, I'm coming out pure gold. So if you look at your life and you're wondering what's going on, just get ready. God has something in store beyond your human ability. And then finally, he can handle anything that I place in his hands. Anything. God, I've got to give this over to you. I place it in your hands. I entrust it to you. I know that it's difficult, and I, I want you to know that, that well, I've tried, and I've wiggled, and I've, I've worked hard, but now I'm going to have to lay this in your hands. Some of you worried about your kids, put them in the hands of Jesus. Some of you worried about your job, put them in the hands of Jesus. Some of you worried about a life-controlling habit, you're afraid of it. You think it's going to rule you. Take that thing and put it in the hands of Jesus. Some of you have a promise of tomorrow that you're afraid to take. Put it in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have got anxiety problems. Put it in the hands of Jesus. Some of you got financial challenges there. You say, put it in the hands of Jesus. And let me say something. you got a bigger challenge if you had more money than you knew what to spend than you would if you didn't have any money at all. Did you know that? So don't ever think you get financially anxious because you don't have any money. Many people who have money, 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 money still get financially anxious. And God sends someone like me by to help them with that anxiousness. And I say, give it to Jesus. Amen? Y'all with me? Stand up. Here we go. We're going to land the plane. What did he say? What did he say to Peter? Peter, the enemy would love to get at you, but he can't because you're in my hand.
Now I want you to look this way. Many of you in this room right now have something that you need to deposit on the shoulders of Jesus. It's controlling your life, controlled your conversation, and times when your life should be quiet, it's not. There's noise in there. And that noise is not of the Lord. That noise comes from the pit of hell, and it's a bunch of lies. Some of you are standing at a threshold of a new beginning, and you're afraid to open the door. Let me tell you something, friend. God provides an opportunity, and when you listen to his voice, he will give you the courage and the strength to be able to say, God, thy will be done. Some of you, God is about to use you more than you could ever imagine. You see, your life has been pretty normal and pretty routine, and I'm not going to say you're in a rut, but you're in a pretty good path. May I encourage you, listen to what God's about to say to you. And make yourself available and say, God, I place this into your hands. I entrust you with it. Help me not be afraid. Help me to be courageous. Help me to be anointed. And help me to remain faithful to you. Some of you are lost. Some listening online. We prayed the prayer of communion. But the most prized possession you have is not your skill set. It's your soul. Jesus said, I created you with a body and there's a soul in it. Give it to me. And would you bow your heads now? And everybody is going to pray this prayer. Repeat it after me. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I have sinned and I need forgiveness. Come into my heart. Purify my heart. I believe by faith. If I pray this prayer and I am sincere, I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look this way. Some of you are about to get a miracle. Victoria Haig, we're working on her testimony. Plagued with cancer, going through the treatments. God spoke to her the day before, I guess last week maybe. That you're going to get healed. You're going to get healed. Spoke it out. She woke in a dream. It was there. This girl that's plagued. Every time you turn around. She went to the doctor this week. And the doctor said. I don't find. Not one sign. Of cancer in your body. Not one sign. Not one sign. Not one sign. We're working on that story on video. We'll be able to share it with you. You see, he is in the house. Amen. Whatever you need, stay with me. We're going to ask you, whatever you need, come. Altar workers here. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to give the benediction. You come right now. Would you do that? As God speaks to you, just slip here and say, here I am, Jesus. Here you go.